Welcome to the Born Unbreakable Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. From lost trauma, disappointments, and devastation to healing hope and betterment, what has grounded me is my unbreakable spirit. We all have that spirit within us. Every week, I'm here to inspire you with stories of perseverance and growth. My mission is to help you crush self-limiting beliefs and to be unapologetically you. You are your only limit, so take action today. Let your unbreakable ride begin now. This episode is brought to you by Brossery. More than just bra straps, the accessory I love. With styles from dainty to daring, you will too. Click the link in the description or go to brossery.com and use promo code BUSHIP to get free shipping on your order today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm your host, Coach Des, and today I'm really excited for the guest that I have, Alexa Negretti. Did I say your last name right? It's Negretti. It's like spaghetti. Negretti. Negretti Spaghetti (laughs) is on the show today. And it's really special because she is a part of an organization that I'm very passionate about. My good friend Kim Carr is a co-founder of Hashtag I Can Help that's focused on really using digital for good and deleting negativity from social media. That's how it started a few years back, and it's turned into so much more since then. I've been fortunate to do mentorship for the organization and be a partner in supporting so much of what they do, but Alexa has a front row seat to all the action because she is the intern coordinator and has actually been a part of Hashtag I Can Help since 20. 15, which is a long time now. So that's like six yes. years that you am all doing math know, at the I'm end kidding. of the day. I'm like, wow, <laughs> are you smarter than a fifth grader right now? Right. Probably not. Um, but for six years, you've been a part of an organization that has really been about empowering students. And also, I would say empowering everything around education. So students, I think, are a huge aspect of it. But I also think that empowering parents and teachers and the community is another big aspect of it. So a little bit more background about Alexis is that she's also interested in education because she's studying um, early childhood education and even going to be pursuing a master's, which I think is so exciting. And, And you Uh, clearly have been influenced by the kind of work that you do and the fact that you want to spend and dedicate a future career to doing things with students. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. I'm I'm excited too that I actually had a chance to see you in person. I know. Because of the the recent uh, photo shoot that I can help had. Yes, in my mind, I thought we had met before, but then afterwards, I realized that we've only seen each other on Zoom calls. And so it was so nice, like you said, to meet in person. And that's what's really cool about I Can Help is we're all virtual. And so there are so many people from all over the country and all over the world who work with us. And so whenever we get to have little family reunions or little meetups, it's always so much fun to meet everyone in person. Yeah, I know. It's It was so cool to actually get together, even though it was, you know, 100 plus degree weather and all of that. 
in the, in the hot California summer. Um, but you're in Arizona, so you know exactly what that's like to be melting. Yes, just always and melting. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I really wanted to start out by asking you, it's been six years, so how how did you get involved with I Can Help? How did you meet Kim? Where, where did the journey start for you? Definitely. So I Can Help started um, was by Kim Carr, executive uh, director in a town called Byron in California at Excelsior Middle School, um, where Kim was a teacher. And Brentwood, which is where I grew up in the Bay Area in California, um, is one of the neighboring cities to Byron. And so as I Can Help started to grow, Kim started to go to tour schools to talk about I Can Help at school assemblies. And so my middle school was lucky enough to be one of the schools. And so she came to my middle school when I was in seventh grade. And at that time, there were a lot of Instagram accounts going around that were like ship accounts or gossip accounts. So shipping students together, gossiping about students, spreading fake rumors, things like that. And my friend, um, Allison Kim, she was inspired by Kim's presentation at I Can Help um, at our middle school. And she was like, Alexa, I want to create an account about our school, but I want it to be positive. And so she had this idea um, for an account called Bristow Compliments, where the whole premise was we would anonymously compliment kids at our school. And so we did that starting in seventh grade and continued it through eighth grade. And now I'm going to be a sophomore in college and the account's still going. We hand it off to new owners each year, which is really awesome. Um, and how I got to actually meet Kim one-on-one -on -one is she, we told her about the work we were doing and how we were inspired by I Can Help. And she and Matt So with our other co-founder came to our middle school and shot a video about our project. Um, and then we had to unveil who we were. And of course, being in eighth grade, it was so exciting. It was a full Hannah Montana moment, it felt like to us. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so, pretty big. It was it's so like much fun. A big reveal. Yes, it was so much fun. So um, I can help them to video about us. And then another organization called Rachel's Challenge also filmed a video about us. And that I video that I can help filmed has been shown at schools um, nationwide that Kim has gone to speak to. And so it's been really cool over the years to see other schools create accounts inspired by ours. Um, I mean, Allison just had this idea because she wanted to see positive change online at our school. And just to see the ripple effect of that um, has been awesome. And then so with that project, we were invited to the first ever Digital for Good event in 2017. And Kim, Kim being him is the most casual person ever whenever she asks you to do something. And so one day I just got a text from her and she was like, hey, do you and Allison want to go to Twitter? And I was so confused. I was like, Twitter headquarters? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and so that's where the first digital for good event was, was at, was at Twitter. Um, and so and then after that, I really got involved with the I Can Help student internship program. Um, but it all started with Kim's assembly um, in my seventh grade, yeah. And you got a direct text message, right, from her? Yes, just from Kim, just, just casual. Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, that's just a normal message that someone gets, hey, do you want to go to Ex Twitter? Exactly. That, that's <laughs> a pretty exciting text message to get. Definitely. Oh, that's so awesome. And I think it's really cool that that account is still going. Yeah. you started. Yeah, because we've been really fortunate to um, have students interested in 
each year. And so the first year afterwards, we pass it down to um, a couple of students who were in the same leadership classes that Allison and I were in, um, just because we knew them pretty well. And also at that time, um, we received some, I guess, pushback on our account. And so our leadership teachers acted as mentors to us. And we were like, they're in the same leadership program. So it just fit that it worked out that way. Um, and it's been passed down just by each different owner. They've found new people to pass down. And it's so funny because this year, actually, um, one of the owners is like a daughter of one of my past teachers. And so it's really cool because I remember when I was in her class, like her daughter was really young. So it's just bizarre to me that she's at my middle school now. <laughs> yeah, you see the growth. And you yes, see people definitely. becoming the next future leaders and doing positive exactly. things. It's amazing. Exactly. It's amazing. And so I'm going to brag on you a little because I know you just <laughs> wouldn't do this to yourself. Is So you obviously you've made your way through helping with the intern program. You're now an intern coordinator. So that has a little yes. bit more responsibilities. And you're a board member recently, yes. which is an important role of making <laughs> making decisions for a nonprofit organization. There's there's a uh, a lot of adults, you know, that I would want to be yes. sitting on a board. So to be doing that um, at 19 <laughs> is is pretty awesome. Um, and so tell me about what are some of the initiatives, you know, as you think through the years of being an intern and what you're doing now. What what do you do? What is yeah? What is the role of an intern? What kind of activities do you manage? Definitely. So it varies from role to role based on what intern you're part, which internship group I guess you're a part of. Within our annual internship program, we have eight different committees, and on those committees we have an intern, and then that intern leads a team of specialists. Um, and so previous to being intern coordinator, I was the digital media intern for two years, um, and the year before that I was the first year of the internship program, and so I just got it, and again, Kim being casual, I just got an email from her saying, your committee calls her this Sunday. And I was like, what is it? What committee am I on? <laughs> what is happening? Um, so it's been really awesome in that sense to see the organization and specifically the internship program grow into what it is now. Um, now what I'm doing as intern coordinator, my role is to support our lead intern, um, Mitch Winterland. He's amazing. Oh, and the yeah. rest, he's I love Mitch. Mitch is everything. <laughs> yes. We're going to have to do a panel and invite Mitch. That would be on amazing. It. <laughs> so, um, so supporting Mitch and then supporting our other interns. And specifically, um, I'm doing the intern coordinator position with one of our past lead interns, uh, Mallory, Mallory Bornazian, and also amazing. Um, and so amazing. our role is kind of to just make sure that, especially with the onboarding process of changing from um, the different teams from year to year, making sure that transition is smoothly, everyone knows what they're doing, everyone has the support they need. Um, and then with the three of us, it makes it really easy to help make sure that we're involved in the committees. So it doesn't just all fall on Mitch to make sure he's keeping up with everything happening within all the eight committees. But Mallory and I are able to work closer within specific committees, and he's able to work closer within specific committees to make sure that the committees are accomplishing everything they've set for themselves at the beginning of the year. Um, so that's really exciting about my new role. And part of the intern coordinator is 
just finding new ways to continue to grow our message um, and continuing to figure out how we fit in the tech and digital media and social media world um, and figuring out how we can continue to foster those partnerships we have with companies like Twitter, like Fisco, like TikTok, um, and then continuing to find sponsors to make our projects even bigger and better. We always try to dream big. And so making sure that we're always finding out ways to make those dreams come true has been really important. Um, and then as an internship program as a whole this year, one thing that's really exciting is our new addition of the advocacy and inclusion team, um, which is a new committee this year. And we thought it was really, really important to have. And so we just really want to emphasize that Everything that we're producing for I Can Help is as inclusive as possible. And we're really looking also to work more in legislation. Um, our intern for that committee, Finn, he has worked a lot within um, advocacy and legislation work in Oregon. He's a high school senior and he's phenomenal as well. Um, and so I'm really excited to see where that committee goes this year and how they kind of set the precedence for all the following advocacy and inclusion committees to come for I Can Help. That's so cool. So I'll put you on the spot a little because okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm trying to remember if this, if I got this information, but do you know how many interns there are now? I know. So there are, as far as interns, there's eight interns and there's me, Mitch and Mal. As far as the intern program as a whole, I do not know. I do know though <laughs> that we are growing even more each year. And so that's something that's really exciting is all the new applicants we have every year. And my favorite thing to ask people is how they found out about I Can Help. Um, and last year we had our first international interns. And this year we have quite a few, which is really, really awesome to see that we're finally been able to expand not only nationwide, because for a while we were very west coast based um so we have people from all over the u.s but also from other countries as well uh, now which is really really awesome to see how many i'm not sure that is something i probably should know uh, coming onto a podcast to talk about i can help but um <laughs> it is really cool to see how much we've grown over the year and see how many people return each year and also how many people find us new and interesting and want to apply um, and hear their thought process about why and what interests them about I Can Help um, helps us, especially especially me, Mal and Mitch and Kim to figure out what are we doing right and what do we need to keep doing or what do we need to start doing um, to continue to grow and push us as an organization. Yeah. Hashtag I Can Help is global now. Yes. yes. Hashtag I Can Help is so. global now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I, I do think it's really cool to have the international presence because this kind of subject matter of using digital for good is relevant no matter where we're talking about. 100%. Definitely, you know, for students across across the globe. But what are, you know, what are some of the things that you're most proud of as you think of the goals that you've set and accomplished? Um, what What are maybe one or two standout things to you that you're that you're proud of? Yeah, I think um, as an organization, from an organization standpoint, I'm really proud to see how far 
we've come, like I said, I always, I keep talking about it, but just in growth, we have, like you mentioned the board, which used to not be a thing. We use, we now have our internship program used to not be a thing. We have seasonal interns who are college students who come work with us for about six months or so to get college credit. We have so many other business endeavors that we never had before. So it's really cool to see people outside of our little niche of us to start take interest in the organization and understand what we're doing to see that we're doing something correct in our marketing towards them. And a lot of that came with our rebrand that we had this past year that was really helpful to get mentorship on. Um, but given our growth, we've still stayed very true to the same way we've always operated in the sense that I can help mission is to empower student change makers. And one thing that I can help talks about a lot is how students are part of the solution uh, and how mentors and educators, parents, teachers, whoever need to walk side by side with students. Um, and that's something that I can help practices within our or organization. Every single decision that's made, content that's put out is done in like with consulting a student. Our whole Instagram feed is all done by students. Um, we have mentors who give us feedback and help us with the nitty gritty of graphic designs and the marketing aspects of it that we're still learning. Um, but every decision that's made is made with students. And I think that's something that's really valuable and something that I think would be interesting to see other organizations do as well, because I know we always hear about the jokes about student interns um, or how all companies have student interns, but seeing how companies can implement this, their interns and their students' perspective into the big decisions that, I guess, call the shots of the company. So I think something I'm proud of in the organization as a whole is that we've just stayed true to that. And that's always been that way. Yeah, there's a really authentic way of having students be at the forefront of it. Exactly. And I think that's what, that's what makes it really special. Well, and I'm proud because I'm wearing the Digital for Good t-shirt yes. today, if you happen to be watching <laughs> us on video, and it's <laughs> celebrating youth innovation. And there was a summit recently, right? In the, yes. the beginning of spring in April. What, mm -hmm. what is the, what's the purpose of that Digital for Good summit? Definitely. So we had our summit beginning of April, um, and it's our fourth annual summit. We it's technically the 2021 because it got pushed. Normally they're held at tech companies, uh, which has been really awesome to see. That was what I was talking about, where I was invited to Twitter um, back in 2017. Um, and so the whole purpose of the Digital for Good Summit is to recognize and celebrate youth innovation. Uh, innovation. And so we recognize a couple different students each year. I believe it's about nine students each year uh, who are using digital for good. And so really just celebrating them and their accomplishments. But with something that's been awesome to see us add over the past couple of years to the digital for good process is mentorship. So each of the winners is paired with a mentor to figure out how to further their project and how to continue spreading their message and how to continue taking it to the next level, which is really important. Um, like I said, students walking side by side with mentors. And so these projects include everything from like one project that was this past year was teenager therapy. And they have a podcast that's blew up. They have a podcast that's about what it's like being a teenager, but it's been really awesome because teenagers feel like they have someone to relate to. And they talk about really important issues that would seem taboo for teenagers to talk about, but it's things that need to be talked about and discussed because it's reality. Um, and so that's been a really awesome project. Um, 
one of another project that we had this past year was um, the Ability app where um, Alex Knoll, he made an app that it almost acted as kind of like a Yelp for in a sense where people could go on and review slash rate how accessible a restaurant or park or library is to people with disabilities. So does it have ramps? Does like, what are the accommodations that it has for people with disabilities? Um, and so that was really awesome. One more that I'll just throw out there just so everyone can get kind of a sense of all different projects that Digital for Good encompasses is from our 2019 winners. Um, we had uh, Christine Mazzi, she made an account called Project Woke, which is Project Women of Color. And so she would highlight um, a woman of color and their successes and their accomplishments and their journey on her Instagram. And so it's truly just students using digital for good and how that looks. And the whole purpose of it is to, like I said, take those students' projects to the next level, but also inspire students. And I think some people get intimidated by the whole digital for good thing because they feel like, oh, I can't go out and start a podcast. I can't build my own app. But using digital for good can literally be like posting a positive quote on your Instagram or even like leaving a co positive comment on someone's post. Like those, there are so many ways you just use digital for good that aren't necessarily projects that take months and months to build up. So I think that's what's cool is the title kind of is an umbrella for all ways students can use digital for good. Yeah, I, I think it's really creative, the kinds of things that people have done. And it just, it also spreads good ideas out there and helps people to know that you can come together, even with other students to think of something yeah. that can impact others. And that is really uh, such, a, such a big advantage. Um, you know, it's amazing how, social media can is a double-sided coin yes. you know on the one hand it can be all of the things that you're talking about which is what we want to promote that's why we're here mm -hmm. talking about this subject <laughs> but part of the challenge is that for every positive thing that's out there there's something negative mm -hmm. um and that, and that is the, what we're wanting to have an influence on because things like cyber bullying um fake accounts like you talked about um, are real and when we can flood, you know, these mediums with things that actually do good things, it really um, pushes the, those negative things um, to the side and, and doesn't give it the light that those, those people would want it to have, which I think is, exactly. is really important. Yeah. One of the conversations we've had a lot in the past year, especially with COVID and quarantine and everything is the importance of digital wellness. And that's something we talk a lot about is, you know, like you said, it is a double sided sword that social media is like you, it can be used for so much good, but it could also do so much harm. And so we've talked a lot about within the organization, but also in our posts and curriculum and things like that, that we're producing about cancel culture, how to practice digital wellness, what that looks like on different apps, what that looks like, how it may look different from you versus someone else. And so I think that's a really important conversation that needs to be continued and needs that conversation needs to happen in all schools because every student is affected by social media, whether people realize it or not. Um, 
And it's such a part of today's society and specifically Generation Z that it's inevitable to talk about. So if you're going to talk about social media, supply students with the tools to be able to use digital wellness and combat the negativity and, like you said, be able to use it in a healthy and positive way. Did you see the Netflix, I think it came out last September, that show uh, called The Social Dilemma? Yes. Yeah. So um, it was really eye-opening. So any anybody mm -hmm. who's listening at this point, it's been out for a while now. If you haven't watched The Social Dilemma, it's pretty interesting. And it kind of shows the different leaders from companies like Facebook um, um, and other digital, you know, based type social media companies, leaders talking about how <clears throat> the intention of social media is for the things that we enjoy. Connection, staying updated, and especially if you're somebody that's marketing something that's awesome, right? Mm -hmm. You can market your products, your services, but at the same time, it can, uh, have a side effect where you get sucked into it in ways to your point about digital wellness aren't necessarily healthy. You know, I, I personally yep. would fully admit right now, once I see the Instagram, you know, beauty ad for some new thing that came out or, right. Oh, those, leg <laughs> those leggings are so awesome or whatever it is. It, 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 has algorithms that are purposefully mm -hmm. sucking you in to purchase things and stare at things yep. longer. And then that's when you're like, oh my gosh, my screen time is out of control. And you know, all these things happen. Anyways, going back to, you know, the, the learning from the social dilemma, one of the things I found most fascinating about it, and I don't want to give it all away is just the impact that it has had on young people. Yeah. And when we think about things like, um, Okay, so the dopamine that happens when you get likes or comments, yeah. let's say, on your, on your Instagram feed or your Facebook, um, or if you don't, if the opposite happens and you, you, know, you don't get that and what it makes you feel like, oh, nobody's liking my, my picture or whatever it is, um, and, and, and things that impact your mental health like suicide, as an example, I know I've talked with Kim about that before, and I know it's fascinating to see the numbers and how they've changed since the inception of more use of social media because uh, it's, it's easier for people to have comparison of, well, my life isn't like this. I want it to look like this. It doesn't. I feel bad about myself. And now, you know, I have thoughts and, and, and yeah. everything. And then that's not so healthy. So, you know, get all, with all of that said, besides telling people to go watch that show, um, <laughs> is, is, you know, for you going back to wellness, cause that's what triggered my, my comment about the show is, um, what have you done personally to, to manage your own wellness and all of the traps that you can fall into with, you know, getting sucked into maybe being on your phone all day. Definitely. Um, my screen time is out of control. I hate to admit it, but it's, I hear some people say they have high screen times and then they read what theirs are, is. And I'm like, mine is so much higher than that. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> um, but I think one of the things that I talk about a lot when I talk about digital wellness is controlling the content that you're consuming. So looking at who you're following. The other day, I was going through my Instagram stories. I was tapping through. I was like, so many of these people I follow, and yes, I want to know how they are. Yes, I want to know how they're doing. 
but I don't want to see their story post every single day or I don't want to see maybe a certain brand like I may like their feed post but I don't want to see their story post or maybe just like right now you're not mentally in a state where you want to see those types of things but you don't want to unfollow them muting people is the best thing to ever exist on Instagram <laughs> where you're able to mute people and you're if you want to go check up on them you can go because you still follow them but they don't show up on your feed. And so you don't, you're not struggling, like you said, with that comparison. Um, I fall into a deep hole on TikTok. I can scroll on TikTok for hours. Um, but yeah. something- We might yeah, need to TikTok's, do a session on how to manage your TikTok time, yeah. Yikes. Yes, TikTok is dangerous. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I've done for my TikTok is I will follow people who are only posting positive content or content I'm interested in. So going into education, I follow a lot of teachers on TikTok. Um, and I also follow random people. Like I like watching people restock their fridges. Like that's interesting to me. Or just like thing, little things like that, that yes, I'll show up on my For You page. But um, those things I know like when they do show up on my For You page, it's like exciting for me. So I'll follow those people. And when I know I've spent way too much time on TikTok, but just something in me like can't get out of scrolling, I'll switch over from my For You page to my following page because that content, it's interesting and I genuinely enjoy it. But since I follow so many teachers, sometimes I'll get repetitive and eventually I'll just end up closing the app. And so figuring out like how to balance and figure out what works for you on how to control your screen time, um, being the digital media intern for I Can Help over the past two years, I have, I've never like taken a digital detox. Um, so actually starting tomorrow for the rest of this week, I decided I'm going to delete all social media off my phone for just a week. But I'm still going to go on Instagram and like at I Can Help Official on Instagram's post um, to get that engagement up. But I, I know some people have taken digital detox and I'm like, my screen time's out of control. I'm just, I'm purely just scrolling and click on apps out of habit and I'm not gaining anything from it. And so, and when social media is used the right way, it's interesting, it's entertaining, it's valuable to you. But now I'm just scrolling mindlessly. And so I think removing that for a couple of days and then going back, I'll, I think I'll get bored of it more easily. And I'm like, okay, I don't need to do this. I have other things I'd rather do with my time. So a good digital detox never hurt anybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, w it wouldn't hurt the kids in that, in that show. They yes. had to, you know, put their phone in some sort of container where you couldn't get to it for a yes. certain amount of time. I think it's supposed to be for food. So yeah. you don't eat, don't eat certain snacks, but then, you know, they, they <laughs> put it in the jar and had to break it to get it out of there. Um, and that's a, that's a really good suggestion. I think I think everybody can do that every now and then to to get yourself out of that monotony and also just the habit like i think it yeah. because it's subconscious almost you know just 100%. like you know we wake up and we brush our teeth it's just automatic right like you wouldn't mm -hmm. and but sometimes you wake up and all of a sudden the phone is in your hand you haven't done anything yet right you know you haven't even gotten out of bed you haven't eaten breakfast you haven't brushed your teeth and meanwhile you've spent 30 minutes just scrolling mindlessly like you said you know Absolutely. there's little things like that in your routine that you can change so that you control your time and your phone doesn't control you. <laughs> right. That's the goal. <laughs> That's the goal people. If there's one tip yeah. you get away from this podcast is to <laughs> see if you can do a digital de digital detox for at least, at least a week. 
I think that's a good, that's a good place to start doing it for Mm -hmm. something longer. I've seen people do it for like a month and they'll even actually say it out loud as far as like post it on social media to say they're taking a break from social media. Right. (laughs) Hey, just so you know, I'm not, you know, didn't fall off the face of the earth, but I'm taking a break. I'm taking a time for me. And I, it's funny because I bet you if we all did that with the amount of time that we spend, um, each day, how much we actually could accomplish doing a lot of other projects. A hundred percent. I spent, I, during the school year, I was looking at my screen time and I was like, when am I doing anything else besides going on my phone? I was like, when do I have time to do anything? But, and I don't even realize my screen time building until I get the little notification on Sunday. That's like, your screen time went up 6% this week. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Like, oh no. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. I'll give you a little bit of a pass though, because of the role that you have, you sort of have yes, to be. That's on. what I'm, I'm going to blame it on that. Sure. Yeah. Like I have sure. to do it. You know, I just have to try not for to do work. it all day long. Right. <laughs> for work. I have to come on. I'm doing research. Exactly. Exactly. But that, yeah, that's awesome. But you know, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you about too, especially because you've been a part of this organization from actually middle school to high school to college, you've been able to see almost, you know, multiple, you know, a whole generation, if you think about how long you are in a certain school, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Like, takes you four years to finish high school, four years to finish college, and you've been involved for so long, is how has it influenced how you think about your future? Like, where do you see yourself in five years in terms of your connection to the organization and how it influences what you see yourself doing with your career? Definitely. I think um, I can help really taught me about the importance of conversations to have with students. I mean, now that I'm in my teaching program in a college, I'm learning about, you know, obviously how much of an impact the things you say in the classroom have on students and things like that. But I started paying attention to those things when I was in high school because of I Can Help. Because I Can Help was talking about, you need to talk to your students about digital wellness. You need to talk to them about mental health. So I took note of how my teachers would respond to digital or mental health concerns. And so I kind of got to, as a future teacher, build my little teacher toolbox in a sense um, to do it that way. So I think that's been really interesting to see over the years and especially with how social media has evolved over the years. I mean, when I was in seventh grade, Instagram and Snapchat, like the main things that people went on. Um, And now, I mean, we have TikTok and like I'm on Twitter now and things like that. There's just so much more to it. And so seeing how the social media platforms have evolved and how the conversations have evolved over the years, um, I think will really impact me and my teaching. Granted, I'm teaching early childhood education, but I mean, if I'm in an after school program or working with the um, upper elementary students, you know, having those conversations, even just understanding the importance of mental health conversations and more specifically mental wellness conversations in the classroom. Like I've seen a lot of teachers, which I'm planning on doing in my future classroom, having a calming corner to teach students how to regulate their emotions and how to, you know, decompress when they are feeling overwhelmed. And so just being more aware of those different things. And like I said, building my little teacher toolbox. Um, As far as where I see my future with I Can Help, Right now we have 
lots of curriculum for students, I mean, for teachers to implement with their students in high school, middle school. Um, and some of it could be used in upper elementary, but I would love to down the road work with I Can Help to figure out how, what curriculum is needed for almost like the entry level social media user of like third graders and second graders who have phones because it's only going to happen more and more right exactly and there's so much in that this little box that (laughs) controls our lives and to think of a eight-year-old who has all the access to everything i have access to it's figuring out how to explain the important concepts that need to be communicated of digital wellness of safety online to an eight-year-old and to a nine-year-old um and to their parents as well to get them to understand that like i said earlier social media and technology is inevitable so how can we get ahead of the conversation to give your students the tools they need to use it responsibly that's so huge and and i love that because it is going to be sooner and sooner now there's kids that are under five that know how to download an app and it's it's amazing (laughs) how quickly they adapt to technology and are uh, younger and younger teaching their parents how to do things with technology (laughs) so it's you're totally right about just getting in front of that um what are you most excited about about being a teacher that's such a good question. I don't know. I'm excited for all of it. I I truly love being in the classroom with students. Um, and for a couple of years, I thought about going into political science because I wanted to advocate for students, specifically like in the foster care system who need support um, in schools and aren't looked at as kind of like a lost cause because they'll be transferring in two months or something like that. Because I know a lot of people in foster care system or whatever your um, whatever your home life structure is like who are lacking the support they need to get the education they deserve. And so I wanted to go into political science to figure out a way to combat that. Um, but eventually I ended up finding out that in the classroom is where my heart belongs. Um, and so I'm really excited to just build one-on-one connections with the students and being in early childhood education I specifically love early childhood because these students are trying to navigate for the first time ever how to be a friend, how to be a compassionate stranger to someone, how to figure out what anger is within themselves, what makes them happy, how to talk to adults, how to communicate their feelings, along with all the academics of how to read, learning to count, things like that. But they're seeing the world for the first time and the world is truly their oyster. They have no idea what they're about to learn. And in early childhood, there's such a sponge and such a desire to learn. And so being able to foster a healthy community for that and a supportive community where my students know that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to communicate how you're feeling. And being, like I said, being able to have those mental wellness conversations and give my students the tools they need that they can carry with them through fifth grade, through middle school, through high school, but setting those foundations for them is what I'm really excited about in my future classroom. They'll never forget that. I would love to be one of your students. <laughs> I would love to have you as a guest speaker. Oh my gosh, I love it. And I'm sitting here thinking, I think I need a calming corner. Yes. Mm. I think yeah. I need one of those. I think we probably all should implement that. And we, we'd probably oh, show awesome. up as, as nicer people, right? If we just kind of take a minute. 
I think, you know, it is, it's one of those challenging things too, in terms of managing our emotions. It's easy to be very reactionary. Mm-hmm. And especially for students, things are happening so quickly. And when something happens that you don't like, it's easy to get upset. And if you don't know how to manage that, or you've only witnessed certain ways to manage that in, in, in maybe a home environment, or you haven't been exposed, it is a difficult you know, situation, like you said. So exactly. I think it's, it's such an important thing that you're doing. And it's exciting just to hear how passionate you are about it. So one of the other important questions I have for you is how would you say people can get involved in hashtag I can help? So let's say this is the first day, this is the first podcast that they listened to and they decided, oh, social media, digital for good, this sounds kind of interesting. Okay, what can I do if I'm, let's say, a parent or I'm a parent with a student? How can I get engaged in a way that helps me to get involved and be a part of the great things that are happening? Definitely. Well, um, for our students, we take student volunteers all year round and they help out with what our committees are doing. So if you want to come help work on the things we're working on within our committees, um, you can all the information for how to get involved is at ICanHelp.net. And there's little tabs up there for you to figure out whatever you want to get involved in. But you can sign up to be a volunteer on our website. Um, and we are getting our volunteer program up and going, which is very, very exciting to see that process and get the volunteers connected with projects that are meaningful and important and impactful to them. Um, and then as far as educators, we, again, have a section on our website that has different resources of trainings, curriculum, Uh, worksheets, all that good stuff to start having these conversations in the classroom with your students um, can be found under the educators tab on our website. (laughs) And then if you're someone like Coach Des who wants to help these students, you know, talk out their dreams, be able to walk side by side with them. If you're looking to help mentor these students, um, we're always looking for new mentors. And we have, um, I believe it's called specialized mentors, uh, which is kind of they get to come in and help out when we do certain campaigns or special projects. Um, and we have committee mentors who help support the students throughout the full annual June or June year of the internship program. And again, that information can be found on our mentorship page of how to get involved and sign up and all that good stuff. Um, But for parents, I mean, there's so much information on our website. For anyone who's slightly interested but wants to learn more, we have a YouTube channel, I Can Help. Um, We're on all social media platforms. Instagram is where we're really popping for students. Um, It's at I Can Help Official, but then we have Twitter, which is at I Can Help. We're on Facebook. We're even on LinkedIn. TikTok is at I Can Help Official. So we're always posting new ways to get involved and even how to use Digital for Good on your platforms. We like to do little engaging things. Like today, we had Me Monday up. So just like using Digital for Good can be just using it to have fun. And so we have people vote on polls for memes. Um, We have little like question boxes to have like conversations sometimes. If you don't want to sit down and listen to a full Instagram live about digital wellness, we might have some little question boxes about digital wellness on there. Um, There's so many ways to get involved through our social media and through our website to figure out what works for you. And if you ever have any specific questions about something about I Can Help, um, we always have people on our social medias who will be more than happy to chat with you about I Can Help. (laughs) So you can always DM us if you have any questions about getting involved as well. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, if nothing else, join for the fun. Because yes. it is a lot of fun. I think that that's part of the biggest thing is the sense of community, regardless mm -hmm. of whether you're a student, a teacher, a parent, a community member. It's um, doing things that are going to make our future leaders better people, better human beings is something that I think all of us would want to be a part of. So it's, it's, it's really awesome that there's a lot of ways that people can do that. So I'll make sure that in the show notes, people know exactly where to go. So they're not confused <laughs> about how to follow, um, especially the popular things. Like you said, Instagram is, is definitely the place that I would start if you want just that quick consumption and then the website as well. Um, so I like to take uh, time in the show to get to know more about my guests because it's such an important part of uh, the human connection is our personal stories. And I have this mission that I want to promote people being authentically and apologetically who they are. And, right. you know, us being able to stand side by side and embrace, uh, you know, both the things that are similar about each other, as well as those things that are different. And so I have a few questions for you just to, uh, for us to learn a little bit more about you. All so, right, I'm ready. <laughs> you're ready. Okay. My first question for you is what are three words that best describe you? Um the first word that comes to mind is um empathetic. I care very much with people about the people in my life. Um and lead a lot with my emotions. Um and then um optimistic, I think would be my other word. And my last word, I think ambitious. I think I, um, I tend to think I have a good work ethic. I could definitely do better, but I also am not afraid to dream big and then figure out what are the steps to make that happen. So I think those are my three. Uh, what I say: so, empathetic, yeah. <laughs> optimistic, and ambitious. It's so accurate. So accurate. If I had to pick out words, those are definitely words that I would certainly come up with myself. Um, have you taken uh, any of those personality tests that kind of tell you like yeah. what your your qualities are? Did did do yes. they come up with answers like what you described? All of them. Anyone I take. Um, I've take my favorite is the Enneagram. For anyone who knows the Enneagram, I'm a two wing three, um, and then you're a um, helper and an achiever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're. And then what's your, do you know what your Enneagram is? Yeah, I'm helper too. Cause I, really? I was, th I was thinking about that because we have the empathy in common and, yes. and co commonly when you're somebody who, um, feels, you know, you lead per like personally, you're a person that mm -hmm. has all your feels and your emotions, <laughs> but you have the, the, the ability, which I do think is, is a, is a gift in, in many ways of, um, putting yourself in other people's shoes and seeing the world from the lens that they're setting in, um, mm -hmm. to understand what that might be like. Certainly, like you said, with early childhood education and as a teacher, that's something that's such an important quality, um, to have, but, uh, we, yeah, I very much resonate <laughs> with you on that. I'm like, two, I'm a two. Yes. Yeah. I radiate two. I could not be more of a two. Um, and then 
the Myers Briggs. I don't remember which one I am. Um, it's there's just so many letters to it. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm an ENFJ. With that, with that, think, yeah, it's. I might be the same. I'm currently searching my messages because I texted it to Mitch, and he was the same. Okay, I'm an ENFJA. Yeah, me too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so Alexa. Are we the same is, person? This is a moment. Yes. Is I showed my friend a selfie that we took and she was like, you guys look like you're related. Uh, when we took that picture, I'm going to repost yes. that. In fact, I'm yes. going to repost it because <laughs> the world needs to see, especially after this podcast, we just need to see. Um, our hair was like the same. It was kind yes. of doing the same thing going on. And I, yes. I was telling Kim, I was like, look at her hair. It's <laughs> very matchy matchy. I don't know. Yes. You know, we just kind of. I think we're the same person. <laughs> yeah, I was, I feel very, I'm, I've always been connected with you, but this is taking it to a whole new level right a now. A whole new level. <laughs> like ENFJA, like it just doesn't even get yes. more than that. Like, we yeah, could drop I the could mic talk about right now. Tests for hours, yes. So can I. I it's, all you, it's all you need to know about someone. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We're, we're like kindred spirits. If I could sit here yes. all day and just not only do it myself, but have everyone do it as well, and then us all get in a circle and talk about it, I would love it. I would just spend all I day doing it. I had a conversation with three of my friends. We talked for five hours, I think, about the Enneagram, just sitting there. Like you said, we all took the test, figured out who those types were, and dove in. It was like a therapy session. Yeah, it, you yeah, unveil it so, so much. Helpful. So helpful. I've even done it to where I've had people that I work with do it, mm -hmm. and then I'll put side by side all of our results. And it's it's a way to also leverage each other's talents and skills. Yes. Because there's people that have talents and skills that I wouldn't personally call my strong suit. So mm -hmm. I know I can phone a friend and say, hey, yep. you're really good with conflict and confrontation. So maybe right. you could help out with this and then I can help out with listening and being empathetic <laughs> because you don't like doing that and everything. And it's like a win-win situation. So 100%. Love wow, <laughs> what an eye-opening question that was. So much more that I got from that. that you I should ask said. everyone, what is your Enneagram and Myers-Briggs? <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be such a fascinating thing. Yeah, I would love to. I'm going to add that to the list of questions to ask people. I think that's super fun. Um, okay, so my next question for you is, what is something that you're working on improving? Well, being my Enneagram 2 self, empathetic self, is I'm really just working on stopping the people-pleasing and learning how to set boundaries for myself. Um, you are the same person. It's, yeah, it's a process. I think in the recent years, I've gotten Kim, our executive director, be so proud of me. I've learned how to delegate, which is really exciting for me. Uh, <laughs> but mostly with the best boundary setting. Um, I've learned how to set boundaries, but now I'm just really learning how to not feel guilty about it. So um, that I think that's something that is just innate in me is kind of like wanting to make things as seamless for everybody involved as possible. Um, 
but my initial reaction be like, oh, like I'll be fine doing whatever. Just cause I don't know why, but, <laughs> and so I think just working through figuring out how to function, like put my own need, realize my own needs are just as important as someone else's are. Um, and then without the guilt part of it as well. So yeah. that's something I'm currently working on. <laughs> and it's, and it's a process, you know, I think yeah. again, going back to that comment around, you know, things are a double-edged sword or two-sided mm -hmm. coin, whatever analogy you would want to use there, there are so many benefits to that, right? Yeah. It's being a person that is helpful and uh, wanting to make things easier for people makes you somebody desirable to work with because people mm -hmm. realize that you're a good collaborator, you're a good communicator, you're very caring and compassionate. But then the the downside, if you maybe take that so far, is you can deplete your own energy. So yeah. you can become fatigued and then you get the brunt of having to put yourself maybe last and then how do you manage all of your own things because you spent all this time doing these things for other people and it's a definitely it's a bit of a balancing act so it's it's definitely. not a bad thing but it is a thing you have to manage yes something to just be aware of i think yes. it was what i've learned to realize in the past year or so it starts with self-awareness people yes <laughs> first identify the, the issue and then you, can, <laughs> then you can work on it right right um, right so kind of in that light, the next question I have is, what is a self-limiting belief that you've had about yourself that you've had to overcome? Um, that's hard. I think, so I mentioned before that I thought about going into political science for a while. And if you're not able to tell from the podcast, I'm normally a very bubbly, energetic, upbeat personality. Um, and for some reason in my mind, my personality and who I am didn't fit the stereotypical political science political science person I had in mind. And so whenever I would tell people I'm going into political science, I always felt the need to justify myself and to explain myself. And even now with teaching, I feel the need to justify that, oh, I'm not just a teacher. I'm not teaching because it's my backup plan or because I didn't see anything else interesting, because I feel like a lot of people grow up saying they want to be a teacher, which I definitely did grow up saying I wanted to be a teacher, but now I really know why. And so I think knowing that I don't owe anybody an explanation is something that I've had to learn and realize that what they think of what I'm doing or what I'm pursuing doesn't affect how I'm going to pursue that and doesn't affect the impact that I'm going to make in the classroom or the impact I would have made in advocacy work in political science, which I still plan on doing as an educator down the road as well. So um, I think that was something is just realizing that I don't owe people an explanation. No, you don't, Alexa. No, you don't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I love hearing your story. And it is making me confess something to you, which is, I was a political science major. And interestingly enough, I have the same feeling as you just described, because majority of my, my friends who I was in school with, who are my fellow classmates that were pursuing political science as well, mm -hmm. had a certain personality or certain personality traits that I 
didn't in terms right. of the, the way that they uh, could navigate conflict and other things, which makes them today, you know, great leaders in that space, you know, great yep. lawyers, mm -hmm. uh, advocacy workers, um, doing really incredible things that I valued so much of what I learned studying political science. Uh, and, and I studied healthcare too, but I realized that where I wanted to take that was in a little bit of a di different direction than what many of my friends ended up doing. And it was more about leadership. So that was right. kind of the, the thing that I took away from it was how do I want to lead as a person mm -hmm. in the world, no matter what I'm doing, it could be leadership yeah. amongst my friends. It could be leadership amongst my colleagues and it could be leadership in my specific profession that I've become more of an expert in. Um, when I decided to go to, into healthcare consulting instead, but it was, uh, it's fascinating how your self-limiting beliefs can teach you give you more introspection to to uh celebrate more of who yeah. you are uh and yeah. not and not put yourself down for what you think you're not mm -hmm. so exactly exactly so, that was my <laughs> my political science connection with you too so that's, that's pretty pretty amazing we're, we're discovering all of these things about about, about oh each other through this conversation <laughs> um but you know one of one of the next questions I have for you is uh, what what is one thing that you want to see changed in the world? What a big question. <laughs> um, I think what naturally came to mind is just for people to treat each other with respect, which what a concept. Um, but I think that really starts in teaching people how to communicate with each other and we don't having people as we don't always have to agree but by teaching compassion and by teaching empathy is the only true way that work can be done and the conclusion could be made because the only way we can move forward to be better as a society in general um is when we truly listen to each other and that's really the only way like nothing's gonna get done if you're just thinking of what to say next or thinking how to rebuttal someone or thinking about how much you disagree with someone, but being able to not necessarily agree, but listen to the point of view to be able to come to a conclusion together, I think all starts in teaching compassion and empathy. So another thing I'm excited to do in my early childhood classroom eventually. <laughs> yeah, I think the world would be an amazing place if that's something we exercised more and recognizing that we can have different viewpoints and coexist in peace together mm -hmm. and, and have a mindset that you can actually learn, you right. know, from, from other people, despite, like you said, learning doesn't mean agreeing. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, we probably prevent a lot of wars and fights and chaos that we see. Maybe. In, you know, <laughs> maybe not all of them because there's a lot right. more complexity <laughs> to it than that. But I think it would it would be a, certainly a place to start if we, if we had, had more empathy and compassion. Okay. Next question is, what is one of the best pieces of advice that you've ever been given? Um, 
I was just thinking about this the other day and I, cause someone else had asked me recently and I was like, I don't know. Um, but I think it's more of a reminder than advice. But in m one of my years in high school, I was going through a rough patch with a couple different things. And my guidance counselor, she told me, she was like, Alexa, it's okay to not be okay, which I knew. And I had told so many people, like I've told it to so many people, I knew that I didn't believe it wasn't, but to have someone tell it to me, I think in my mind, it kind of, in a sense, gave me permission to not be okay because so many people ever since I was little have told me like, I'm super energetic, I'm super positive, I'm super upbeat, but those things don't, that's not my identity and my identity isn't in that. And then also my identity isn't in being not okay. And like you, learning that it's okay to, the first step in, like you said, working through that is acknowledging that and be able to navigate like what this next part of your life is gonna look like when navigating through whatever you may be going through. So I think just reminding that myself in a sense that I have permission to not be okay and it's actually good to acknowledge that because that means um that I'm just going to come out the other side a better person even if it's rough for a while but figuring out like okay how do I support myself and who do I go and where do I go to to get support for this because otherwise and I'm just pretending and I'm just really digging myself deeper in a hole so how do I start to get out of that it is an indication that you're human. Yes. Which and what a I, concept. <laughs> what a concept. I, I think that we, especially in the society of, in, in America, I, I would argue that, mm -hmm. is there is a standard or certain set of high expectations placed on you um, consciously, subconsciously, to achieve and accomplish mm -hmm. certain things at a particular level. And it's very easy for us to make mistakes and be hard on ourselves, right. and but want to persevere like a superhuman or a superhero as if everything is fine. And it's oftentimes yeah. not until it's not fine and you have one of those moments where you break down that you acknowledge you need to be more honest with yourself at times. Right. And um, I've had a lot of moments like what you've described where you just sometimes just start crying. Yeah. And even there's maybe different reasons why that happened. And I, I you know, would sit and beat myself up and, and go, sometimes you just need to cry and yeah. it's okay. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, whatever, whatever, and, you know, you need to do. Definitely. And I think, like you said, we always think we have to persevere, but you can't really build resilience if you're not figuring out like what is hurting you, you know, like otherwise you're just kind of putting, patching it up and not really solving the issue. And like your, I mean, your podcast is literally called Born Unbreakable. And it's like the only way to build resilience is to figure out how to navigate through that. Mm -hmm. What's that m movie where they have the different, 
there's joy and anger and inside out. I inside love inside out. out. Oh my gosh! Why? Why? I just totally drew a blank. Yeah, <laughs> I love that movie. It's so cute, but it's it's such a cool way to acknowledge that. We yeah. want joy. We want all our little bubbles to be joyful and create the little memory bank of happiness, of Disneyland and food and fun things. Right. But there's also sad moments mm -hmm. and disappointing moments or angry moments. And it's an acknowledgement of the human character and the human be being is we naturally go through all of those things, excitement and fear, happiness and sadness. There's a yin and there's a yang. And right. it's it's we're gonna go through that roller coaster all the time, even when there's so many things in life to be grateful for. So mm -hmm. I I love how you're talking about acknowledging that because it's just such an important important process of of giving ourselves, like you said, permission um to to be in the moment of, of a feeling exactly what we're feeling. Absolutely. So now the last and important question, because people are so engaged by you, is how can they follow you? So how would they follow you and be able to uh, connect with you or maybe even ask you a question about a hashtag I can help if they have one? Yeah, definitely. So to... Follow and connect with hashtag I can help. Like I said, um, our Instagram and TikTok is at I can help official. And then our Twitter is at I can help. But we're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you just search hashtag I can help. Um, I'm on LinkedIn also. Shout out to my um, committee mentor from last year, Heidi, who taught me how to use LinkedIn. Um, just Alexa Negretti. You can find me um, within I can help's realm. And then for connecting or messaging, it's my professional Instagram that I made when I went onto Clubhouse because I had all these people following my personal Instagram and I was like, I just post pictures of my dog. <laughs> and so that's pretty much the most important thing that you yeah, post, so. my professional Instagram that I never really post on, but I'm getting better is um, at miss.alexa.negretti. Um, and I feel like I'm going to post there when I start doing stuff with my student teaching and when I start to learn more about my role in the education world, um, I'm going to be posting there along with my journeys and endeavors of I can help. So that's where you can find me on Instagram. That's awesome. This has been so much fun, Alexa. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I definitely learned some new things and I'm even more excited about what's to come with hashtag I can help seeing what's what it's been for the last couple years and seeing the potential of what I know it's going to be in the next five to 10 years. Thank you so much for having me. This was my first podcast and it was so much fun. <laughs> but um, I'm always be happy to talk about I Can Help. I'm truly so passionate about it. And so I was so excited to be able to come on here and talk about it and just brag about this really cool internship that I do. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is pretty awesome. So, you know, if for those that are listening, um, especially if you're a student and you want the opportunity to make such a really big impact, I think this is this really special way that you can do it. And it doesn't hurt that you get an international network as a result of that. Yeah. Being able to make friends um, and learn from people in different parts of the world is is a pretty cool and unique opportunity. So. I love Absolutely. it. 
Well, awesome. we'll definitely have to plan something where we can have Mitch and maybe do some sort of cool panel yes. type thing and get real crazy. We could oh do my we goodness, could that'd be awesome. Next. Ugh, you awesome. have, have Kim here and then it will get really crazy and then it might end up like yes. a TikTok, TikTok <laughs> video or something. Awesome. Oh, oh, okay. Well, we will, we will definitely be connecting in so many more ways, Alexa. Thank you. Sounds great. Thank you for having me. Alexa Negretti like spaghetti. So awesome to have her on the show and be inspired by the journey that she's had with hashtag I can help from seventh grade to being a sophomore in college and seeing how she has now dedicated her learning to becoming a teacher to do early childhood education. I think it's such an inspirational story. And one of the things that I took away from spending time with Alexa is the beauty of influence. And I would encourage you to reflect right now in your life, the influence that you have around you and what that is doing for you and your future. And we all have different influences around us, whether it's people, it's organizations that we associate or affiliate with. And that is something that we can all take a look at and examine is how are we growing as a result of those associations that we have right now today. And for Alexa, this is such a shining example that an organization like Hashtag I Can Help will be a part of her life likely forever because of the impact that it's had on her growth and development. She's taken that forward and she'll continue to then turn around and make different types of contributions back to this organization because of everything that she gained from being a part of it, which I think is such a beautiful thing. So with that, of course, I would not be diligent if I didn't say that you should absolutely follow I, hashtag I can help. I'm so proud to be a mentor and partner for the organization. I am so passionate about using digital technology for good and being a more positive presence on social media. We all can make a difference. We all have that influence right now with these little devices that are computers that we disseminate messages to the world, whether we are creating a post, whether we are responding to someone's post, the way that we engage and the way that we interact sets an example for the people around us and all, all of those that are following and watching us. So doing things that are going to inspire, uplift and empower can truly change the world. So go check out ICanHelp.net, follow I Can Help Official on Instagram, and I can put all the other ways that you can follow, like Alexa mentioned, and be a part of such an incredible movement. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast. It is my joy to be with you week after week. Don't forget that you are your only limit. So take action today. And if you haven't already, subscribe and follow wherever you listen to podcasts and to the YouTube channel and drop me a message if there's anything you want to hear about. See you again next week.